This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. How's it going, Deb? It's going great, Andrew. Me too. <laughs> You're a little thrown off by that. No, I was just waiting for a, you know, how are you doing? <laughs> but that's okay. It's going great, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank Good. you for asking. You're welcome. I'm really glad that you're that you're in the studio with me today because it just so happens that on the last episode of the podcast, Miles Danhouse and I were talking about the Sister Bay Marina, and that conversation devolved into, as many conversations do, are there too many people in Door County? And we had decided that we weren't going to have that conversation then, but we were going to follow it up with maybe some examples of other tourist destinations that are dealing with similar problems, because it's kind of a wild idea to think that maybe you can look outside of your community to find solutions. I know it's kind of a hard thing for people to do. They don't in, exist anywhere else. Exactly. And it just so happened that this week in the Peninsula Pulse, you happened to write about how Cape Cod is dealing with similar problems Yes, uh, or similar challenges, I'll say. And uh, I know that we're hesitant to say that Door County is the Cape Cod of the Midwest. But I think that in, in your article, it's clear that Door County is not the Cape Cod of the Midwest, but could learn some things yes. from what Cape Cod is doing. So give me kind of a, an overview of, of what you set out to discover when you, you tackled this question. Okay. So this was a really interesting presentation that was hosted by the Door County Environmental Council back in October. And I attended that. And the person who was the guest host was Erin Perry, who is the deputy director of the Cape Cod Commission. So Erin zoomed in from Massachusetts. There were probably about 50 people in the room and, you know, maybe the same number of people zooming in. But it was a really interesting discussion. And the reason why the Door County Economic Development Council ask them to talk with us is that because of that comparison, it's always, you know, this is the Cape Cod of the Midwest. Well, what has the Cape Cod Commission done, if that's the case, to try and tackle some of the same issues that people may be seeing in Door County? And if Door County is a less populated version of the Cape, then what can we learn? So the Door County Environmental Council really wanted to start that conversation. And so Erin Perry laid out exactly what the Cape has done to try and tackle some of their problems. So I am not familiar with Cape Cod. Okay. I've never been. What are the similarities okay. between Door County and Cape Cod outside of being peninsulas? Yes. Well, you know, and technically Cape Cod was officially described an island. So really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't even get into any of that. But after they built the Cape Cod Canal, they officially, the state officially decided that Cape Cod is now an island. Hmm. Are there benefits to having a different designation? I or? don't think so, but I didn't really get into that. I, I don't think so. You I could mean, argue I, that Door County is an island as well because well, we have a canal. I actually had that in the story at one point because there are three bridges that connect one part of Door County to the next. There are two bridges over the Cape Cod Canal that connect the mainland Cape to 
even one community that is still considered uh, Barnstable County, which is where the Cape is located. Mm. So just like Door County is Door County, I mean, the Cape is Barnstable County. So I had gotten into all of that, but like in, in print, you really can't get that detailed because, sure. yeah, the story just gets too long. So in any event, I did dive down the hole of the difference between an island and a peninsula. And then I had to really surface quickly because those kinds of, you can get lost down right. those rabbit holes. I think the main benefit is in your marketing, you can say, come to the beautiful island of yes, Door County. Yes, uh, right, exactly. But, you know, of course we have Southern Door, a whole, you know, probably about 40 miles of Southern Door on the other side of that Sturgeon Bay Canal. So it's very different in that regard. But, however, the... Cape is about 65 miles long, so it's this hooked peninsula island off of the eastern coast of Massachusetts, and Door County is about 70 miles into Lake Michigan. So they both have peninsulas or islands pushing into large bodies of water, so that part of it is is very similar. They also have a large tourist industry. So they have they have a big service industry and the same types of, you know, jobs and struggles that that, that would suggest. They also like, you know, lots of places in the country that are tourist destinations have median home prices that really are kind of out of reach of the median priced household income. So the median income in, you know, at the Cape is unable to afford the medium priced home. So that is the same case in Door County as well. So they have all of these geographic similarities and even socioeconomic similarities, but then we look at the scale and the scale is really where it is skewed. The Cape has a population of 228,926 people. So just a little bit more than Door County. Door County was 30,066. So there is a huge difference. And so what I did was kind of crunch those numbers because Door County's land area is slightly larger than the Capes. So even though their population is like eight times greater their land mass is a little bit smaller. So Door County's land area is 483 square miles versus 394 square miles. So if you take the population and do the math, that means that there are 581 people in every square mile on the Cape versus 62 people per square mile in Door County. So what you're saying is we got a lot of work to do to up our density. To catch up, right. right. And so when you think about it, that many people per square mile, of course, they all have to live somewhere, right? They all have to go to the grocery store. They all have to get their services somewhere. So automatically, the development is going to be so much greater to be able to support that number of people. And then also the scale is different in the tourism industry, even though they're both, you know, tourist economies or a big part of them are tourist economies. In the Cape in 2021, well, Door County's visitor spending impact, the direct visitor spending impact in Door County was calculated as $423 million in 2021 versus $1.37 billion in the Cape. 
So they estimate that they have probably about 6 million visitors per year. So that is, you know, a lot more than Door County. That is way more. Right. So now I guess the question is, now that we kind of have the the comparison there, the similarities and differences, but how how are they sustaining what they have? Are right. they sustaining what they have? And I guess what can we learn from what they're doing? Right. Well, and that was the reason why the Steve Etaw, who is the president of the Door County Environmental Council, that's why he had invited Erin Perry to guest lecture this evening. And she talked about the Cape Cod Commission and how it was formed. What happened is there was just this wellspring of development in the 1950s. People saw, you know, the Cape turning into that non-special place that everybody loved. And that's so much of what we hear here, isn't it? I mean, we're always talking about maintaining the charm of the villages and the towns and keeping a special place special. Well, from a Door County perspective, you would expect Aaron to come on the call screaming, (laughs) we've lost control. (laughs) What are we going to do? Right. Well, she is. So what happened is in the 1990s. So the Cape Cod Commission is now like 30 years old. So the Massachusetts legislature actually formed this commission and they were charged. And this is really kind of humorous, you know, when you think about it now, how broad their charge was. It was to keep Cape Cod special. Wow. <laughs> yes. So, so what do you do exactly. with that? that? That seems pretty subjective. Right. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, this the Cape Cod Commission has, has real teeth. I mean, it is a regulatory entity. So in a nutshell, if there are developments that reach a certain scale, then they automatically become the oversight agency and they do all kinds of, you know, environmental impact studies and different types of research. And if they approve the project, then it goes back to the local municipality for their regular permitting. If they don't approve the project, it's completely dead. So they have a lot of authority in that regard. Now, I looked on their website to get some of the different projects that they do, and they have like a mining operation. They have a former golf course that's being redeveloped into 315 apartment units over 13 buildings. So these are really massive, massive developments, but they also have a grocery store. So if they get this project, then then they can shut it down. So Right. Okay. So like a, a town or a village, if they're looking at a project, they can't just approve or deny based on what they think is cool. They have to do it based on zoning and, and based on things that are, are written. Is the Cape Cod Commission, are they subject to the same type of of rules? Yes, they are. Although the governmental structures in Massachusetts are different. So for instance, in Wisconsin, a village has an authority kind of like a city. And then a town has the least amount of authority and it's kind of under the county. In Massachusetts, it's basically cities and towns. Towns have lots of authority and some of them have city authorities if they have populations that are even larger. So yes, they do still have their own individual zoning stuff. But if a project reaches a scale, a certain scale, 
then it automatically triggers the Cape Cod Commission. Or right. there might be a recommendation from the municipality to send it to the Cape Cod Commission. So that, in a nutshell, is is what they do. However, they also are charged with you know protecting the environment. So they have water quality initiatives. They have climate change initiatives. They have transportation. They do a lot of things that an organization like Bay Lakes Planning, a planning commission does. Bay Lakes Planning is the planning commission that oversees Northeast Wisconsin. So they do things like that, except that planning commissions don't have any authority. They're just advisory. Right. I guess, I guess what I was I'm saying is- I'm getting a little is, technical No, I, that's good. Because what I, what I was curious about is like, say a town is like, no, we don't like this. The developer can then sue the town because they didn't deny it on any reasonable grounds. Once it gets triggered to go to the commission, do they have leeway to say, well, this wouldn't keep Cape Cod special, so <laughs> we're denying it? Well, I am at, I don't know the, the particulars of what they use. Like, I don't know what their checklist is okay. in terms of, you know, like they get this grocery store, for instance. I don't know exactly what their checklist is in terms of what they have to go down to make sure that this is something that they can approve. Or I don't know the basis upon which they disprove something. But they, you know, clearly have those parameters and they may be different at their town levels too. So once it goes back to the town, then it would still be subject, you know, to the town zoning regulations and that kind of thing. I think it's a really interesting system that there is a second level of oversight that is looking kind of, I guess, countywide in our, in our example, like if Door County were to have something like this, that's looking at the, the grander scheme and trying to think about whether not just, you know, this is a great thing for Sister Bay or this is a great thing for Fish Creek, but like this is cohesive to the overall vision of the place. Right. And that's kind of what they do. Like it's not, they won't, and she she talked about this, that keeping Cape Cod special is a charge to keep the entire place special. So it's not just a matter of, you know, this is not good for Ephraim or this is good for Ephraim, but right. not good for Bailey's Harbor. Like you just, you know, we're alluding to it's, it's that entire, you know, place. And so what they did was separate the entire peninsula into different kinds of districts. So that makes it a little bit easier to get things passed. So let's say this one is a, you know, commercial center. And so they have all of these different commercial centers all over the county. So that happens here as well, but because we have so many different jurisdiction authorities like municipalities that have control over those things themselves, the county doesn't have, you know, ultimate control. So, but you know, the Cape can look at those different sectors and that's one of the things that they use to actually base their decisions upon. But when you talk about it, it's really cool that they have this, you know, overriding authority. When they started this, she spent a lot of time talking about how it was very controversial. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure it was. So there are 15 towns that the CCC, the Cape Cod Commission oversees, and not all of them are on board. And as what she said, you know, balancing environmental protection and economic progress is just very, very difficult. And so they are, you know, at times, variably, they, you know, a town won't like them or a developer won't like them. So they're not the most 
popular people in the room all the time. And as soon as this was formed, as soon as the Massachusetts legislature did form this, six of the towns tried to opt out and they were unsuccessful in doing so. So it is not something that happened easily, but they felt like this core group of people felt like things were getting so out of hand that there were even proposals for a moratorium on the entire Cape. Wow. Yeah. So that would have been very, very, very damaging, obviously, to economic progress. Right. That's one of the things that Miles and I had kind of started to talk about was if the fear is that there's too many people, it's not that it's too busy that you know, I can't go there. It's people are like, oh, it's too busy. No one's going to go there. So the fear is actually that it will die. People will stop coming because it's so busy. Mm. So then the question is, how do you thread the needle of mm. lowering the amount of people who are here without going too far that there's economic repercussions for that and trying to find an equilibrium? Yeah. Whereas a, a blanket moratorium on all development would definitely <laughs> just rubber band you into oblivion. That would kind of dampen things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. And then I want to talk about a couple of the other challenges and potential solutions that we can learn from. Okay. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Okay, we are back. So uh, another challenge that you had mentioned that Cape Cod had to deal with was housing. That's probably one of the biggest things that we're dealing with. How do we get people to come up here and work in businesses? It's not necessarily about people coming here to retire or seasonal visitors, but how do we get year-round people who live here, send their kids to school, work in our businesses, our factories, those types of things. How did Cape Cod tackle that challenge? Right. And be able to, you know, afford it. To, right. right. So they're tackling the challenge. So it is just like every place, you know, they they haven't tackled it. They haven't solved it. I don't know if it's solvable for any, you know, community, but they are taking measures. So the Cape Cod Commission also has, you know, a housing component to it. So what they do is provide lots of research and data, which is really important because if you want to get to the bottom of a problem, you need to understand that problem. So I think probably their research and data is, is the most important thing. And from that, they're able to develop initiatives on exactly what is needed versus what isn't needed. So if you have like a common cry of we need housing, we need housing, and then suddenly you put up 13 different apartment buildings that are priced at, you know, 1500 to 2000 and half of them stand empty and yet people still don't have any place to live. Right. Then obviously you started with faulty data. So they have this, you know, really impressive component that collects, you know, all of this data. But what I found to be really interesting is their median home value, which is $690,000. And their median 
household income is $76,000. Yeah, it seems like a disparity there. Yeah. It's same in Dora County. I mean, our median priced home is now up, was as of October, was up to $403,000 and the median income was 61. Yeah. So (laughs) not easy to live here. It's not. And so what they have been doing is developing initiatives to tackle that. I mean, just like climate change, they have 11 different initiatives. They have this huge water quality policy and they actually got an excise tax a 2.7% excise tax that they were able to put into place to fund their water quality initiatives, which is kind of cool. Now, their water pollution issues are different from ours. It's primarily nitrogen because of the, the sewer systems. So they don't have a lot of, they don't have farmland, really. I mean, just small hobbyist farms there. So there's not a lot of farm agricultural land runoff into surface waters. So it is mostly leaching into groundwater. So they have a, you know, a little bit of a different, we have nitrogen as well as phosphorus, groundwater, as well as surface water. But so they are able to tackle that with some of their water quality initiatives. So it was really just kind of a cool umbrella organization over the entire peninsula that's taking a look at all of those areas with, you know, dedicated research and data. Right. And they, they're not a marketing entity, right? No. Like when I think about like an overarching organization, I think about Destination Door County, but they are a marketing organization. Yeah, they're, they're right. right. They, that is very, very different from this. this right. Yep. And so we don't actually, do we have anything similar to this, like an no. overarching organization that is looking at we, the future? Yeah, we have different organizations like the Door County Environmental Council, like the Door County Land Trust, like the Ridges, like Crossroads at Big Creek, like the Nature Conservancy. We have all of these separate organizations that work in their own particular and specific areas. But no, we don't have an organization that is looking at the entire peninsula and trying to figure it out if we can come together on some of these issues. And really that's the conversation that the Door County Environmental Council wanted to try and start. Is it possible to be able to pull different entities together to be able to tackle some of these problems on a countywide basis? Right. And that would be, you know, having the data like you had mentioned or gathering more data to fully understand, because I feel like we have a, a decent understanding of some of the issues that we have. And we've had different organizations like Investigate Housing a couple of years ago and broadband has been a big thing. But having like one singular organization that is collecting everything together and then using that as a way to help guide. Right. Things. Exactly. I mean, that is so vital. Like take a look at development. And this is something that's going to be coming up in next week's Pulse. It was one portion of this that I didn't have all of the data on yet. But Aaron said, Aaron Perry with the Cape Cod Commission said that 86% of the Cape is developed or protected. So that would mean that only 14% of land is still up for grabs. Everything else is already taken. So I wanted to find out, A, how they determined that number, but B, do we have something like that here? So I contacted Land Use Services, County of Durham Land Use Services, Mariah Good, who's the director there, 
And we were going back and forth on some of their mapping data that they have, and they have a lot. They have lots of layers that have been imprinted over Door County. And so we're, we're approaching a figure in terms of how developed Door County may be. But I need some additional information from the Cape Cod Commission on their uh, the way that they developed those metrics. And so then we're going to crunch some of those numbers and, and show the difference between, I already have some idea and it seems pretty significant. The difference between the developed and protected land here versus the Cape. Interesting. I just wanted to like hammer home that you said 86% of it is either <laughs> developed or protected Correct. because if people think, you know, 86% of it's developed. Oh, it's all sidewalks and pavement and businesses. Right. But no, a, I'm sure a portion of that 86% and, and probably not an insignificant portion of it is protected land. But I don't know how much of it is protected. Right. So Aaron Perry is coming back to me with that number. Now, I looked back at some of the data when the Cape Cod Commission was first formed, and it showed that their goal was to have one-third developed one third protected. I could be getting those numbers wrong, but they did have a development versus a protection goal. I asked during that meeting, if it's 86% now, then what was it when they started 30 years ago? I wanted to know if they've protected more land, if they've more land has been developed, if it has an impact in that regard, but she didn't know at that time. So I'm getting that data so we can get some understanding of, you know, how the commission actually worked. But in Dora County, the preliminary numbers look like it is really, real well, as different as it would be if there are 528 people per square mile versus 62. Well, this is really interesting. Yeah. It's always good to look outside at other communities to see how they are tackling similar problems to us. And I think Cape Cod is maybe one of the most similar places in America to kind of what we have here. But only geographically, you know, when you think about it, because we would never compare ourselves to a thickly settled area like this. We would never, but everyone else loves to. Well, I think it's more of the geographic, you know, characteristics that we started with. Right. We will probably touch back in on this once you have some more data. It'll be in next week's Pulse as well. So for people who are interested in kind of doing the math and looking and seeing how similar our development actually is or how different it is. I think that'll be a cool thing to look at. I'm sure we will continue this discussion moving forward, looking at other places and, and how they've tackled similar, you know, similar challenges to us ever inching towards the goal of trying to answer the question, how do you thread the needle of, you know, too many people or not enough people. Right. Maybe we can just establish a person per square mile goal. Yeah. And once it hits that, we can just say, okay, now we close the bridges. And if you just happen to be the one person over, (laughs) you you are relocated. Right. Or you can't have another child. Right. Yes. Okay. Now we're getting So we'll put a birth. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much, Deb, for coming in. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Okay, great. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.